What is good, everyone? It is your boy, Caleb. Welcome back to another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops podcast. As usual, I'm your host, and uh, I'm sitting here on a Memorial Day evening, Monday evening, a couple days out from the finals, and uh, we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about. I will be doing this podcast solo here today. Don't worry. We've got favorite guests. They will be back on, but... Um, today's going to be solo for a couple reasons. First, uh, had a little, I've had a couple issues with scheduling lately. Um, that's part of it. The second reason is, uh, I, I got a lot to talk about. I got a lot to talk about. My dubs are in the finals and, uh, you know, I don't want to be bad host, invite people on and then just talk 90% of the time. Cause I got a lot I want to say. And I think in the past, you know, especially when it comes to the Warriors, I'm a very, like, I notice things. I don't know about you guys, I'm already kind of getting off, off topic and it's just the intro, but, um, you know, the, if you guys didn't know, the Warriors have been to the finals six out of the last eight years, and that makes people mad, and I get it, like, I'm not even telling them they can't feel how they, they feel, they can, but... You know, I, I have no interest in being the obnoxious front-running fan. Um, but at the same time, the team that I love, not just the team that I love, but, like, my generation. Like, I, I grew up, like, I can't take this for granted. My generation that I grew up watching is back in, at the biggest stage of professional, or not professional sports, but basketball. So I just got a lot I want to talk about. I kind of want to go down memory lane. I don't know where this... I don't. I honestly don't know where this thing's going to go. So, you know, Solo just gives me more opportunity to take it wherever it needs to go. And uh, I'm excited, guys. So thank you for tuning in. Um, <clears throat> I know uh, uploads kind of spotty. You know, I always say like, oh, we're going to do once a week. And, you know, we have stretches. But... Um, I just appreciate, you know, every time I could go two, three weeks a month and I post one and I just, I appreciate all the love and encouragement and the people that listen and are down to tune in, even though, you know, it hasn't really been a consistent basis. So I appreciate you all. I hope you guys enjoy. Um, without further ado, let's talk some dub Celtics, baby. All right. So. Before we even get into the on the court stuff, and we will, we will definitely will. I want to zoom out big picture and talk some storyline stuff. And um, again, once I start going, who knows where it really goes? But let's just start with the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors. So. For me, my fandom of the Warriors started in the the We Believe year. 2007, the number eight seed, Golden State Warriors, take down the number one seed, Dallas Mavericks. And at the time, I liked basketball. I definitely liked, liked the sport. I played it at lunch. I had a basketball hoop in my backyard, and I would go get shots up. But it hadn't really translated to the NBA yet. Um, I was actually more of like a a football guy at that time. 
I wanted to be a wide receiver. My parents loved football. It was just kind of the primary sport for me growing up. And basketball was, you know, something I enjoyed. I loved sports. But, it, it, you know, the watching the NBA hadn't really been a thing for me because my parents didn't. My parents watched the NFL. <laughs> and so, you know, as a kid, it just – and I also don't think the NBA was – obviously it was big as the NBA, but it, it – it wasn't quite as big as it was now. You know, social media wasn't as big back then. So for all those reasons, it hadn't really translated to me watching the NBA. And, you know, rewind towards the We Believe. They play in the Mavs. And I, I didn't watch any of the regular season. And then the playoffs come. And, and I remember I had like this radio slash alarm clock by my bed. And usually, you know, I... So my, my parents weren't like strict, but they definitely had rules though. And one of them was like, you're getting sleep. Like that's probably why I was so damn tall growing up. Cause I was sleeping like 12 hours a night, but like I had friends staying up 12 midnight one. I was passed out. I was in bed for sure by eight. Like there were times I was going to bed and the sun was still up and I was in like sixth grade. Anyways, I'm getting a little distracted, but regardless, I had this alarm clock slash radio by my bed and I would just vibe out and kind of fall asleep to that. It it was a station called KMBR. Usually it was a talk show and a guy would just go through, you know, the sports stories of the day, usually with a little bit of a Bay area taste. Um, but he'd run through, you know, whatever was happening at night. Because the first round was there, though, that was on instead. And I just remember, like, there was just this certain energy, you know. Outside of just, for one, the announcers just seemed like they were having an absolute blast. Shout out Tim Roy. Um, but, the, like, like, he was just having so much fun. You could hear the energy from the crowd. Didn't didn't hurt that they were really great games and i remember listening before bed just like damn this is lit like this is lit i've never experienced this before right like i haven't watched the nba i like basketball but this is fucking lit so i remember telling my parents like hey can i stay up and watch these games like we're the eighth seed like we're playing the number one seed like this is history. I got to watch this, mom, mom, dad. They let me. And obviously we go beat the Mavs. And that kind of sparked my interest in the NBA and the Warriors. But where it really took off is where we, is when we drafted the Warriors. I still remember, you know, we draft staff. And, and just, I think part of it was like, you know, he we, we took him seventh. He was just our rookie. Right, that I think that was initially where it started, but the more I watched Steph, and the more I heard him, like I was just so drawn towards him. I was drawn to him for his game, but I was also drawn to him just because he didn't, he wasn't like a dick. He wasn't full of himself. He was just a chill dude. I was a shy guy, still am a shy guy, um, and so I was just like drawn to him as a person and a player. And I say this all because I, I just want you guys to understand 
you know, where this all comes from. Because, you know, everyone has their favorite player. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm better than anyone else because my favorite player got me into the game. But I just want you guys to know, like, that's – when I watch Steph, it's not it's not just, oh, my God, he's so good. It's like this is the dude who inspired me, who really, like, took my love and – level of interest for basketball to another level i still remember just going ham on facebook for warrior games going ham on facebook when you know the monte ellis rumors were swirling i still remember the monte ellis trade and people booing and i was trying to i was telling everyone i knew like guys this is the right decision this is the right decision and i you know it wasn't even necessarily rooted in like basketball knowledge at the time. It was just I love Steph. So uh, that's that. I want you guys to know that. But I think that's what makes this so special to me. And obviously, I'm going to be more inclined to hear the hate. Right. I, I think most basketball fans, most basketball fans understand Steph like real basketball fans understand Steph's brilliance. But I still feel like the overall discourse towards Steph and around Steph is tainted slightly. Like it's just wrong. And I don't know if part of that, I don't know if it's ignorance. I don't know if it's jealousy because they've been good or like I, I i don't i don't know where it's rooted and again you know i think the biggest thing i get hit back with when i talk about that is like lebron james has all these haters and i lebron james has haters but i really feel like the majority of lebron james haters are michael jordan fans who want their guy to be, you know, considered number one. Like, I don't think the LeBron James haters don't think LeBron is good. Like, I, I think even the strongest of LeBron James haters would very worse have him top five all time. And I've been dealing with this for a while, right? Like, I still remember, again, I was there when Warrior fans wanted to keep Monte over Steph. I was there when, you know, people said he would never be anything because of his ankles. Like, I'm been used to the Steph hate to the point where, like, he's accomplished so much. Usually, I can look back and just be like, look how far we've come. Like, I, don't, I really don't care if you or you or whoever it is don't realize Steph's greatness. I don't care because it's it's clear at this point. But I do think, I, I, again, I'm solo today. I'm I'm not solo that often, and I want to. I, I think it's important to talk about because I I still think there's this narrative around Steph that he chokes in the finals, or he doesn't play well, or he's not quite as good, or you know, it's always something. And again, I'm more prone 
to hearing it as someone who loves Steph. But I just don't I don't get it. I don't get it. The man averages the man's averages in the finals are 26, 7, and 6. He has three final victories in five appearances. One, Clay and Kevin Durant both go down with injuries. I don't think I'm biased to say we win that series if they're both healthy. And again, I'm not the type to say a title doesn't count because someone got hurt. I'm just saying. Like, I I don't sit here saying Steph really should have four timers. If you win the title, you win the title. If you don't, you don't. It's as simple as that. Just saying, right? And the other one is uh, a series where we're up 3-1. I'm inclined to believe that 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 doesn't mess that the Cavs don't win that if Draymond doesn't get suspended, but he did. The Cavs came on to win three straight, and you give them their respect and move on. But 26, 7, and 6 in the finals. And I still feel like the conversation is Steph doesn't show up in the finals. And I think it almost gets into basketball discourse. Like as a whole, a little bit more. And I made a solo podcast, like, I don't know, a couple months ago about how the NBA media in general is just cooked. It's cooked. Still think it's cooked. It's why sometimes, and this could be an excuse, subconscious excuse, but fuck it. It's why sometimes I'm even discouraged to like record because the NBA media is cooked. Cooked. There's no MLB has his issues, NFL has his issues for sure. All the major sports leagues have issues in some way, but at least when you see analysts talking about their sport, it's generally about the the games. It's generally about what's going on. You see Tony Romo or Peyton Manning or whoever it is, they're able to actually break down what's happening and i think explain to a to a casual fan or even a non-casual fan who never actually was in the in between the lines what's going on and kind of enlighten and not even in a cocky way right like in a in an informative enlightening way that makes the game easier and more fun to consume and i just we never get that man we legitimately never get that it's why it's why jj reddick's getting so much love right because he's the i feel like he's the first i know draymond's done it in spurts the 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 only other guy i can think of off the top of my head that legitimately does it is tim legler and he gets like two minutes on the late night edition of Sports Center on like a Tuesday. Other than that, it's Stephen A. Smith screaming. It's and that's the thing too. Like, it's not like we don't have ex players in the game, like in these booths. Kendrick Perkins, Richard Jefferson, Reggie. Like, there's plenty of these guys back in the media now but it's like and perk i think so you've seen perk chill out and again 
I feel bad because this is not, I know we're not even talking finals, but we'll, we'll loop it all back around. All right. But like even Kendrick Perkins, I feel like admitted it. Like when he first got this ESPN job, it was just fucking hot take after hot take. And it still is. It's just cool. Calm down a little bit, but it's like, there's very rarely real analysis going on during these shows. It's just bullshit filler they miss shots they miss shots it's it's uh, and not just that it's it's legacies comparing legacies and comparing players and who is better and who like you don't get much of that in the other sports and i don't really kn- I, my guess would be i think is first off basketball just happens at a much faster pace and I think it's harder to digest what's going on. You might see something on one play, and six plays later, it's out of your mind, right? Like, where in NFL, there can be a really big play. And then you get a commercial break. I, I just feel like maybe the pace of the NBA and how fast things go, it's harder to digest, even for someone who loves the game, right? Like, it, it's harder to digest. But it doesn't excuse everything, like... You go on, and like I'm watching. I, I, and again, I don't even watch it that often anymore because of the, all the reasons I've talked about. But like yesterday, Heat Celtics game seven, they're talking about who has a bigger legacy, a better legacy, who's better, Steph or KD. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make sense. And I, I also think that. Those type of things are so, so, like, there's so many, there's a million different ways you can look at it, man. Like, in baseball, obviously, you have different hitters hitting around you that might impact the pitches you see. In the NFL, as a QB, you might have a trash offensive line. But I just feel like no other sport pits guys against each other. And I'm not saying you can't argue who's better. I've done it. I do it. And it's fun in the right way. But we shouldn't be having a Steph Curry, Kevin Durant legacy talk previewing the Heat Boston Celtics Eastern Conference Finals game seven. It doesn't make sense. And I was I wasn't even gonna I wasn't even gonna go off on that, but I don't know. We just somehow got there. Okay. Let's loop this thing back around to Steph Gary and get to the fucking point. I get you guys. I get you guys. So my point here is that Steph Curry is still, to this point, underappreciated, and I don't think his greatness is fully understood or explained by the media. And so I feel like it's my duty at this moment to do my best to do that. Now, this, I think this, that's the case for a couple of reasons. I think the first thing is Kevin Durant is a one-on-one, is a better one-on-one basketball player than Steph Curry. If you need one bucket, me, even the biggest Steph Curry fan, I'll go to Kevin Durant. If it's just one bucket, one-on-one, 
and I don't think, I mean, Kevin Durant has seven inches on Steph Curry. It's really that simple. Kevin Durant has seven inches on Steph Curry. He's going to be able to score one-on-one at a, at a more effective clip because he has seven inches on Steph Curry. Two, Kevin Durant won finals MVP both years. So maybe it's just me, you know, being more privy to, to seeing, you know, people talking about Steph in a, in a manner that I don't think is right. But I, I feel like more often than not, when those Warrior teams are brought up, it's like almost just stated as a fact that Kevin Durant is a better and was better during those years. And I'm not even here to say like Steph is definitively better. And I think in order to really get into the better, you know, question, you you have to define what that even means for yourself. For me, and again, people are entitled to their own opinions. I think there are different ways in which you could define better. Um, that makes sense. For me, better means that you help your basketball team win more. It doesn't mean you're more talented. It doesn't mean that you make shots more. It doesn't mean you're better at scoring. It's not an aggregate of this guy's better at shooting. This guy's better at passing. This guy's better at dribbling. And whoever has more statistics rounded up wins. To me, it's a, it's a simple, it's actually not simple, but to me, it is who helps your team win basketball games more. And in the game of basketball, obviously as a coach, your goal is to uh, ideally get better looks on offense than the other team. Now, what Kevin Durant does extremely, extremely well is make shots. Again, that's not all he does. He's a good enough rebounder. He's actually a really damn good passer. He's got a great handle. He's locked in on defensive um, schemes, right? He's a great basketball player. I think I think at a, at a time, I don't know that it's the case right now, but I think after last year's performance, you could say, hey, Kevin Durant is the best player in the world. What, that, that's not what I'm arguing. I'm arguing the notion that Kevin Durant was clearly the better, more superior player during his time with the Warriors. And so back, back to what we're talking about. In the game of basketball, want better looks. I think Steph Curry is an unprecedented chess piece in the game of basketball. Um, obviously, he has the shooting ability. And I think even the biggest haters will, like I said, tell you that uh, – He's the best shooter in history, but I think that's underselling his impact. That shooting, I think, opens up the court so much when the ball is even in his hands. But when the ball is even out of his hands, we've just never seen a player with his level of gravity. And I know that that term gets used a lot, and it's like I feel like non-Warrior fans like laugh at it. And, I mean, you could laugh at it if you want. But it's it's true. He opens up the court for every single – all four other players out there, their jobs are much, much easier because of Seth Curry. And so to sit here and say, okay, Kevin Durant was clearly the best player because he's averaged more points or was more efficient, I, I just don't think it tells the whole picture. And, again, I think Steph Curry as a basketball player – because mostly people are just going to look at the ball and look at the points scored and things like that, it's easy to go, okay, Kevin Durant was better. 
but Kevin Durant's never been more open in his life. You saw in the Celtics series, right? Ime Doka and the Celtics did a wonderful, wonderful job on Kevin Durant, but they were able to do that job even with even with a guy like Kyrie Irving because the rest of the, the, the chess pieces next to KD and Kyrie weren't up to the, – it allowed them to play that defense. And obviously Steph's been aided by Klay Thompson, and obviously Steph's been aided by Draymond Green. But Steph Curry in it by himself I think makes – the jobs of everyone around him very much uh, easier. And you listen to Tyron and Lou. I'll, I'll play a clip. I'll play a clip real quick. Um, let me pull. Let me pull it up for y'all. Tell me what you guys think. Ready? I just think, you know, the most dangerous guy over the last three finals, and we've talked about, is that Steph Curry. You know, he's when he's making shots, when he's scoring the basketball, when he's passing the basketball, they're an unbelievable team. So I think, you know, that's the hit of the snake. And, you know, we tried to take him away, and I thought we did a good job in game four of just limiting him to, you know, 13 shots. I just think when he's scoring the basketball and playing free, they're really unstoppable. There you go. That's the opposing coach. The Cleveland Cavaliers, the team that we played in the finals. Talking about his game plan. And this is not a, a dumb coach, right? This is probably one of my favorite coaches in the league. Top three to me. His game plan was to take Steph Curry out. And I completely agree. Because when Steph Curry is cooking, when he's flowing, when he's in a rhythm, the easy buckets, they just come. You you could put elite defenders, all that, whatever. You almost start to overplay Steph. And Steph's always going to take advantage of that. It leads to so many good looks. It, it happens even when they play him straight. He's seen every coverage. And so as an engine, I just think that's insanely valued. Now, uh, valuable. Now, again, I'm not doing this to shit on Kevin Durant. I love Kevin motherfucking Durant. I'm bringing this up purely because I feel like, especially now as we're back in the finals, I'm hearing a lot of discourse about Steph Curry doesn't really show up in the finals. Steph Curry underperforms in the finals. And if you are a 6'3 guard, averaging 26, 6, and 7 in the finals, like, uh, and that's considered underperforming, I don't know what to tell you. Right? Like, the, the finals are rarely dominated by guards. Because they're small. And that's why, that's another reason why I think people will go to KD. Which, again... I don't even think it's wrong. Like, at this point, I'm not even interested in a Steph-KD argument. I think they're both amazing players. I think you're splitting hairs. I really don't think you could go wrong either way. But the notion that KD was far head and shoulders away above Steph and the only, you know, I'm not going to say maybe people are saying that that's he's the only reason they won. But the idea that Steph only won because KD there is ridiculous to me. We won before him. We're here back after him. And I just felt like it needed to be cleared up. Now, again, this is not something I usually would even talk about because with guests on, one, I'm going to get so much shit the whole time. They're going to be tickling me the whole time that I'm not even going to be able to fully get into my point. That's why we, you know, in a solo podcast, Steph back in the finals for the first time in three years. I thought it was a great time to talk about it. So we'll leave it at that. Steph Curry is generational. I love him so much. He's inspired me so much, and uh, it's just really, really dope. Not just for Steph, but it's really, really dope to see Clay 
after an ACL tear and an Achilles tear back. After Draymond, you know, he does his whatever thing the past few years. It's just good to see the boys back, for real. It, it warms my heart, and I'm really, really excited to see them uh, take on this this next challenge for them. We've never seen someone like Steph, right? You, you look at point guards. It's been a lot of great point guards. We've never seen anyone, I think, have the sort of gravitational pull on a basketball court as a like if you're just thinking about it as a game and a chess piece and you remove like I don't want to say you remove the, the humans from it, but just like from a from a pure strategical standpoint, when you have a player like Steph who can move and bend defense like not only does he move and bend defenses, he's constantly in motion. So it's like it's just it's just underappreciated still to this point in my eyes. I think we'll eventually reach a point where we look back and say, damn, that boy was re- – I know we get the whole change the game thing, but I I want people to really understand what that means. Change the game not as in just 35-foot threes. Change the game as in, okay, you've done that, and now like the, the NBA isn't dumb, right? And now when teams adjust, he was able to find that next, that next gear, that next level. To where a lot of other point guards haven't yet figured out, hey, well, they're selling out to stop me. How can I best utilize that to help my team? Anyways, that's enough. We're going to take a quick break and talk about the actual series, getting the predictions, biggest storylines, all that good stuff. Thanks for listening. If you're still here, really, thanks for listening because you know how I feel about stuff. All right. All right. Let's talk about the series itself, my prediction, how I see it played out, playing out. Um, I will say, I feel like a lot of the analysis right now is just played out. You're hearing a lot of the same things. And so, and, and a lot of it is true, right? So I don't want to beat a dead horse. I'm honestly going to keep this pretty brief. Um, but I think this is a really dope matchup. Um, I, if you guys listened to, to some pods before, I actually picked the Celtics and Warriors. Um, the Warriors pick was a, hey, I think the Suns are pretty much neck and neck with them. Maybe you can give them a slight edge from the regular season. Um, but I'm going to go with my dubs. And I think people forget, like, the first month, eh, month and a half, maybe even two months, the Warriors were the best team in the league. They were better than the Suns. And then the injuries hit. And they could never really fully recover until this point. I think Thursday's probably the th- Thursday is going to be the healthiest we've been since not even since the start of the year, right, because Clay wasn't there. Um, so I, I, I've really, I've, I, you guys know how I feel about Seth, Dre and Clay, but I feel that way about them in large part because of how good I think they are. Like, I, I really, I really felt like this was very much a possibility. I got a plus 600 Warriors future riding. So I've believed in this team all year and it's, it's been cool to see it play out, um, uh, because it's very difficult, right? It's very difficult. And that's why there were plenty of people not picking them. Um, on the other side the Celtics, I mean, it, they started off meh. Um, they, you know, they brought in Ime Odoka, and obviously things can't change like like that. Um, but you you kind of were running into a lot of similar issues that Brad Stevens ran into. And, you know, halfway through the year, they really, really turned a corner. And a lot of that has to do with their defense because when you're getting stopped, people, you know, people talk about getting stops uh, and it's important, right? Because you're stopping them from scoring. But what it also allows you to do is uh, get downhill because if they're scoring, then they're going to have their defense set. Usually 
if you're getting if you're turning them over or they're missing shots, you can get downhill and transition uh, a lot easier than you would. Um, and so here the Celtics are right. Uh, I think it also gets lost right. Like this is their first finals um, for them, but it's not like this is an inexperienced group. Jalen's been to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think, two or three times. Jason's been there two or three times. Marcus has been there with them. Um, like it's a it's a experience. It's as experienced of a team as you can really have for a young group. Um, but then you look, yeah, 123 Finals appearances for the Warriors, zero for the Celtics, and I, I really. I know this isn't necessarily like on the court analysis, but I, I think that's a huge part. I, I, I really do. And I think you don't have to point really anywhere else in this Miami Heat series. Like, I think the Celtics are sick. It might, it could come across as disrespectful, but I think maybe not significantly, but they are better. A good, a good, it's not like this insane gap, but they are definitely a better basketball team than the Miami Heat. Miami Heat really they have a good defense they have a great culture but they really don't have someone that and not just someone but like two you need generally two who can like create in the half court when this game slows down to a grind like jimmy butler has done it and he can do it but that's not really that's not jimmy butler's game jimmy butler is not a quote scorer he does everything and at times he can be called upon to score but you don't have to look that much further than a couple losses that they had to say that, hey, scoring the basketball is not what he does best in an NBA game. Um, and despite all that, it goes seven games. And I think it goes seven games, not because the Celtics are necessarily not locked in, but I think that with their youth comes like just lapses and – you know, in the regular season, that's fine. In some series, it's fine. But in the finals, it's not really fine. Like, y- you can't, you can miss shots, but you can't really have consistent lapses. And you saw that plenty of times from the Celtics. And I don't think you have to look really that much further than the end of game seven. They were up 13 with three minutes and 30 seconds left. There, Jimmy Butler shot away a three, a good look. I'll talk about that too, right? I think, I think analytics play a, a, an important part of all sports, but basketball. And I get that analytically, Jimmy Butler's a, you know, sub thirty percent three point shooter. Doesn't really shoot him, and you can just tell the vibe with Jimmy. But my thing with Jimmy Butler is okay if he focused all his energy on threes he could be a good three-point shooter I, I honestly think but that's not his game he doesn't get joy from making threes he's not really asked to make threes. he has so many more bigger responsibilities as a basketball player on the on the court as a leader that threes just falls low on the priority list right um where am i where am i going with that but but in this scenario like i, I he's fully capable of making threes and so when you I think feel has to play a, an important part in these shots. And so, you know, as a basketball player, when you're in rhythm, if you, you can already tell in that situation, he can, pre, he can decide based off of where Al is, Hey, I can get a look and you can almost 
prep yourself, right? There's times where you've got to react and take a tough shot. Um, but mentally, when you know you can kind of step into a three, and I've seen him, make, he made a three just like that, I think, earlier in the game to, to go on a little run for the Heat. So it's a shot he knows he can make. He was in rhythm. I got no issues with the shot. On top of, like, hey, I, you know, if this thing goes into overtime, yeah, the Heat might have the momentum. But a lot of times when you expend that much energy to close a gap, the next five minutes after that can be a little bit shaky. So I, I honestly like the shot. I will live with that shot. If Jimmy's taking that shot with confidence, I'll take it. Because even if they go get a two, right, because it's not guaranteed that they even make a two. Even if they make a two, the Celtics are probably getting the ball back. And if they miss, it's going to overtime, and you got to go stave off after all coming all the way back another five minutes against a team that is low-key better than you. So I had no issues with the shot. But again, back to the original point. The Celtics went three about three and a half minutes. I remember getting to that three and a half minutes because I had Celtics series. And I was like, all right, one more bucket, and it's it's essentially curtains. You can one more bucket and you can almost guarantee that if the Heat are gonna come back, it's gonna have to be with the foul game at the end and some missed free throws. Like one more bucket. And they actually never got it. And I think that that is the type of thing that you just can't get away with the Warriors. You have to in close games be locked in and i think tatum is a great basketball player he's really blossomed he's a legit superstar in my eyes i don't really it's really tough for me to say otherwise um but but i think jason jalen brown marcus smart i think they can be sped up and i think there can be um definitely points in a game where you can force those two to make some mistakes, especially in crunch time. Um, and I just think a team that has played, again, combined 123 finals appearances um, in crunch time, it, you, you can't make those mistakes. And I've seen the Celtics, again, they've gotten away with it to this point. But we've seen we've seen definitely, you know, they're it's there. Don't make them. Don't make them. And... Again, this is a, a definitely a, a title-worthy team, um, but they've got – they're dealing with home court, right? Like the Warriors have home court. Warriors have had a couple days of rest now on top of them, and they have that experience. In terms of the on-court stuff, um, you've got two of the two best defenses in the league. Now the Celtics have definitely had a better defense. Um, second half of the year, it's been ridiculous. It's been ridiculous. But I think a big part of that is uh, Robert Williams, right? Robert Williams is just a racist shots at the rim. He's such a good rim protector. And uh, I, I don't think he's anywhere near 100%. I would say 75 at best. These next couple of days probably help. There's no way he's going to be 100% ready to go. He was huge in the every matchup against us. Blocked four shots in like 25 minutes, I think, in the last time he played us. Um, so... Yes, the Celtics, quote, have a better defense, but Dre missed most of the year. And Robert Williams is compromised. Um, the other thing, and I and I think he's he's the swing piece, right? Like, you saw it with the Nuggets and Mavs. We scored a lot easier in those series because they don't really have rim protectors. Uh, Jokic will be in position, but if you, you can still go at him and make a layup through or over him. Maxi Kleber is probably the Dallas Mavericks' best rim protector. He had, like, five blocks in the series. That's not uh, that's that's not 
it's okay. It, it's not enough to be truly scared going down there. Jaron Jackson had 15 or 16 blocks in, in six games. Um, and he was a deterrent, right? Like we would get downhill and Jaron would be waiting. And I remember there were plenty of times where we get a clean, get downhill in rhythm, going to the cup and Jaron turned it away. The Celtics have a guy like that in Robert Williams, but is he healthy enough to really fully be that man? I don't know. I don't know. They're going to need him to be, though. The other thing um, for me, the big the big key for me is the turnovers for the Celtics. Jason Tatum, 77 turnovers in 18 games. That's 18 more than the next highest guy. And um, in their wins, they turn the ball over four, four, on average four to five times less a game. Um, and why is that important? Obviously, because turnovers are bad. But two, against this really, really damn good defense. And when this defense is locked in in a rhythm, you can go seven to ten possessions in a row without scoring. We've seen it now. Um, but when you when they're turning the ball over, that means, yay, yay, we're not going against a set defense. And so I think that's the biggest thing for, for the Celtics outside of Robert Williams' health is just taking care of the basketball. Um, because if you don't, the Warriors are able to get out and run and play and get into rhythm without having to go against that side defense, it's going to be tough. I, I really feel like it'll be tough. Um, so that's where I'm at, man. That's where I'm at. Again, I think it's a worthy opponent for sure. I think it's going to be a challenge. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the Warriors are going to be healthy, right? I think we're, we're getting Gary Payton back. We're getting Otto Porter back. I think Iguodala, and, and people laugh, and I get it, honestly. Andre Iguodala is old as hell. But, I mean, the man just understands the game of basketball at another level. And even if his body's betrayed him a little bit, kind of falling apart, um, he's long, he's active, he sees things happen before they do. And I think there, there can be – I think he's a guy you can stick in in important moments of the game – and one, not feel like he'll be exposed, but two, feel on the defensive side he can make a really big play on a swipe in a passing lane. Right. So we're going to fully healthy. The healthiest the Warriors have been at the right time. Talk about cooking when it matters. Shout out, Chuck. Um, they're cooking when it matters. They're fully healthy. And you're going to have to ask the Celtics to, right, even if they win all three games at home which they haven't even done that, right? They they swept the Nets, cool. Lost a home game uh, against the Bucks. Lost two home games against the Heat. Even if they win all three, they still got to win a game in Oracle. Sorry, Oracle, Chase. They still got to win a game at Chase. Warriors haven't lost at Chase this year. And on top of that, the Warriors have, I don't know the exact number. I think they've won like six. It might even be in the 20s. Um. But they've won however many series they've won however many series in a row with winning a game on the road because you know how important that is and they've they've done it with this group they always win a game on the road so I'm not I mean again we don't know that that's a fact for this series that could change this series but at the end of the day if the Celtics don't steal one in Chase they're not winning the finals and that is a fact. And then on top of that, you gotta think that the, the Dubs probably get one in Boston. Um, so I think 
I, I called it in in my fantasy league chat. I'm gonna I'll stick with it. I got Warriors in seven. I I do think uh, if I had to lean, I would lean you know towards that being maybe even six. So Warriors in seven with a lean towards Warriors in six. Um, but I I really just think that the experience plus the rest plus the home court is uh is going to be really good and uh, really big for us and and they do they do have they do present you know difficult challenges um and they've got good matchups right they they could stick smart on Steph brown on on clay uh brown or smart or tatum or whoever on so many different guys um they match up well but i think overall it's just a really young group and they're going to have to really play very very well to to find a way to win this series um and that's about it guys but ultimately i'm just so i really uh, i can't i can't say how grateful and excited i am to watch my dubs back in action and i've got them winning this series fourth ring for steph again we talked about the finals mvp earlier he's got to be the finals mvp like he just that he is the engine he is the engine, and now uh, he's got to go earn it too, right? Like, you can't average seventeen and five and six on forty percent from the field and get it because he's the engine. Like, I I understand that, but again, the man averaged twenty six five and six, and didn't win Finals MVP because that's still like I'm over it at this point. But as we're talking about it, like, come on. Like, why are we trying to be so cute here? Andre Iguodala's got the finals MVP averaging like 15, 5, and 3 because he guarded, quote, guarded Braun. Braun averaged like some ridiculous shit, and he's the finals. I don't understand. I don't I don't understand. I will never understand. But, uh, oh, man, it's just going to be beautiful. I've been dreaming about days like this. I never gave up hope that we'd re- reach back towards the top of the mountain. And uh, I got my dubs winning this one and Steph winning the finals MVP. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, and I'm ready to get this thing going on Thursday. We'll be back. I'll probably get a mid-series uh, pod going. That will be probably with some buddies. Uh, but I might have some more solo segs uh, coming up as well. And, and all throughout the summer, I'm just going to try to uh, be more consistent, even if that means just going solo, because I, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. I love you all. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy these finals, and we'll talk soon. Peace.